Why Watch That is a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. While nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. This episode of Why Watch That is supported by Entrepreneur Meal Plan. It helps leaders and professionals feed their bodies and business as well. Do you know, Critic, I got Mm. a chance to attend a wonderful event by EMP here Uh in Los Angeles. And it was so amazing because Brandy Cochran was able to gather people from all sorts of walks of life. We were able to gather together, have real talk and some real good food too. Mm -hmm. It was a hit. It's food for the soul and the body, which is so hard to find. So if you want to learn more about Entrepreneur Meal Plan, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, go to entrepreneurmealplan.com. The Why Watch That TV Talk. Listeners, how are you out there? How is everybody? Oh my goodness. Yes. You know, we at Why Watch That, we think about you all the time. Um, We're realizing that in this craziness that we're in, where the world is basically quarantined and not... um, you know, life as we've known it has is 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 has paused, mm. and so many of us are handling that in different ways, as we kind of alluded in our other um, podcasts. Some of us are, you know, trying to figure out. So we're diving into the world of news. Some of us are um, not wanting to figure it out at all. <laughs> Some of us don't have time to figure it out because we've got children running around and and family and things like that. But what we do know is that television, storytelling, movies, all of those things can provide a way for us to sort of put a pause on the real world stuff that's going on out there and kind of escape a little bit to some of the worlds that we've visited over the past couple years or the worlds that we're going to be introduced to. It's always nice to have that option that when uh, the kitties are asleep and the dishes are put away <laughs> and uh, you've wiped down the place um, to sort of lean back on the couch and uh, take a breath and escape a little bit into the world of Make believe. Yeah. When yeah. you go through a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have um we have a number of finales that we need to talk about, but before we do, we have a couple TV series premieres that we want to share with you that, you know, like I said, during this time, maybe you want to start something new, or maybe you like to go to what's tried and true. Well, here's something new. That you can find on HBO. (laughs) Well, you're going to tell us. Uh, On HBO, Council of Dads returns. Um, Oh, it's NBC. I'm sorry, NBC. Mm -hmm. Did I say HBO? I was already (laughs) hopping to um, another show that we're going to talk about. Yeah. On NBC, Council of Dads is returning. Um, 
in fact, you know, nothing really new here. Um, it comes on on Thursdays, and and, and it's heading our way. Um, but uh, I don't know if you watched all of season, the first season. I'm not sure. Well, it's premiering. So what oh, happened? Here, okay. Yeah, what happened is they did an early premiere of the first episode. Gotcha. And it's coming back uh, on April 30th, on the Thursdays, like you said. Uh, so I did catch that first airing, and I believe, Ref, that it's still on Hulu, if you have that. Um, so you can check it out before April 30th, if you don't want to wait. Um, so the thing here is, people out here going, is this like the next This Is Us? Right? So let's get into what my thoughts are on that. Now, what this is about is, it's it's about a family, like This Is Us. And in this family, uh, the mother is um, a doctor and the father is there and he comes down with an illness. Now, they're not old, okay, these parents. So uh, one of them is played by Sarah Wayne Callies, who was in Prison Break and in The Walking Dead and in a lot of other things. And the father's played by Tom Everett Scott. Yes, him. So they have uh, a bunch of children. Uh, their oldest daughter is played by Michelle Weaver. Now, she was in Ref Love Is on OWN. Okay. She was the lead. So I liked her in that. It's nice to see her here. Uh, so she's the oldest daughter. And then they they do have a, a teenage son who's, uh, you know, starting to be a teenager. Uh, they have a, a, an adopted daughter. And then they have a, the youngest child who, in, at the end of the episode, you see the twist about what's going on with that child. So what they do in the first episode is they essentially track through a year and what happens to dad across this year and leading up to the title, The Council of Dads. Because the father decides that, hey, if I'm not going to be here anymore for my kids and for my wife, I want to have a council of dads who can take my place, just in case I'm gone. So there are three dads who will fill this role, one of whom is uh, the mother's, uh, Dr. Robin Perry's friend at work. So he's one. Another is connected to uh, Scott Perry, the father, in a way I won't give away. They let that trickle out in the first episode. So you'll see that they have a particular connection. Because in the beginning, he just comes in and you're like, why is this man coming in? <laughs> so you'll see what that's about. And another one is somebody we know from Vikings. I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. Not and the one we know from Vikings. Well, it's somebody's brother from Vikings. Okay, there we yeah. go. Yeah. So he's uh, Robin's best friend and a chef. So they form this, this whole circle of dads who are there at the ready to help out when and if this tragedy occurs. So as we've seen, not only in This Is Us, but also in things like Parenthood on TV, we have a whole bunch of different personalities in this family working together. They have this tweak about the council of dads that comes in. And the question is, is this the next bit of comfort food that we all need? Uh, burst, uh, based on, burst on, based on the first episode, I like the cast. I'll hmm. put it to you that way. 
Uh, I've liked them outside of the show. So I'm not, it's nice to see them again. The writing of the pilot left a lot to be desired. It was cliched. There's this whole love story thing that tracks and you can kind of know where it's going. So my thing was, in some of the scenes, the actual dialogue was cringeworthy, but the cast did what they could with it, which mitigated that issue. So the question is moving forward, uh, even though I no longer watch This Is Us, we'll talk about that at the end. Ref, of course, you'll come in. I don't know if it has This Is Us's potential yet. Uh, we'll see. It'll it'll be interesting to see what they do in episode two after going through seasons in a year and we see what changes. Are they going to do that? Are, are they going to do like a This Is Us thing where we flash forward and back? Are they telling it linearly? That'll be the question they have to answer. And then the additional question is, do we really need it or not? That's right. what I don't know. So I'll be watching the second episode to see, but after that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Um, I... We'll talk about this is us, and 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 I think it is a valid question. Do we need more of this, or if we do need it, then um, you know how can we? Is it worth supple- keep going with this right. vein of television? Let's move on to Baghdad Central, which is on Hulu, <laughs> and this is new. This isn't us. <laughs> no. <laughs> But I don't know much about this, so I'm curious as to what you have to say. It's not a full-on commitment, it looks like. It's just, you know, about six episodes. So it's not like you're having to dedicate 23-plus hours of your life. Um, But is six too much? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, this is set during 2003, October of that year, in Baghdad. Now, if you're old enough to know, you know what was going on at that time. So it's dealing with, yes, uh, the U.S. forces are occupying Iraq at the time. There is a little British presence in there because this comes from the Brits. So you'll see that. How does that clash of cultures work? Because Corey Stoll plays one of the uh, top lieutenants, I believe he is, um, from the Americans. So what's his style versus a guy who wants to help the people of Baghdad, supposedly, from Mm -hmm. the British side. So he's not a military guy. Now, in the center of this is a former Iraqi policeman. And this former policeman, what is it like to be in Iraq at this time after the toppling of Saddam Hussein? And you were a policeman. How do people relate to you? And what can you be doing now to keep your life moving forward? And he has two daughters, one of whom is estranged. I won't give away how that works. The other daughter has an illness that requires medication and a possible procedure. Whoa. So because of his unique skills, maybe the Americans want him, maybe this British guy wants him to do something. Because the British guy believes that by uh, empowering people who are Iraqis to take care of themselves, that this will be the way to stabilize the country. And he sees this man as the linchpin in that plan. Now, again, how does Corey Stoll's character fit into this? Does he agree? Or does he think, hey, we're here, we're here, we have a job to do. This is my job. I don't need any help. 
So the other question is, what is it going to be like for this ex-policeman to work with either of them? How will he be seen by his fellow citizens in Iraq? Will he be able to have the same access as before? Hmm. And how does this relate to his family? It's all a big mess. The, the early, early on, you might be thinking, oh, this is pretty straightforward. It's not. You can start seeing where they're going, where he has some ulterior motives, this ex-policeman, where he's trying to use what the Americans and the British want from him to get what he ultimately needs when it comes to his older daughter. Also, what about this British guy? Is he really on the up and up? And what about the military, of course? And what about everybody else that's in the mix that's surrounding them? So that's the center of Baghdad Central. Uh, as a review, um, you know, Ref, as we know, we have Homeland going on right now. Yeah. So it's like in my head, they're not the same show, but they feel like it. And I'm leaning toward Homeland. Hmm. So the thing about uh, Baghdad Central, I started binging it, Ref, and I was kind of like, okay, what's going on next? Then I stopped about halfway and came back in episode four and I no longer cared. Oh, interesting. So as it moved forward, I was kind of like, mm, I kind of see where you're going. You probably throw in a twist or two, but I don't really care. Now, is it bad? No, it's actually pretty good. It's well-made. It just doesn't feel important enough right now for me to want to go back to it episode after episode, even for six parts. But I think if you get into a groove with it, you'll probably make it to the end. If you stop, the question will be when you come back, is it going to grab you? Because that's the thing. It doesn't quite grab you. It's just professional. Gotcha. I think that's a good point to make about some TV shows, especially in this time that we're living in right now, that some shows are just created to be bingeable and designed to binge. And when separated or sliced out, it's a little more challenging. Mm. But uh, some other shows, you know, need a little space. So um, I think that's a very interesting uh, perspective and comment. Let's move on to the season finales. We are saying goodbye to some of these shows for the season. And ABC's Stump Town, which I felt like has been going on forever. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because they started in the fall and then we're just now getting done with it and they were you know they're 18 episodes so this isn't one of those you know 13 episodes that's popular right now and it certainly isn't you know 26 episodes like madam secretary but it's 18 and it was just drawn out and long um but colby smolder she's pretty um intriguing to watch sometimes and I think I watched the first episode and then after that I I fell off for some reason not because it was bad I just didn't get back on the horse so how did this uh how did we ride into the stables for this season yeah and just you know speaking of the episode count from what I heard they wanted even more episodes but because of certain contracts they couldn't do it uh huh. So that's how you get to 18. They probably wanted more like 22. Mm. But you can't always get what you want. Now, 
When it comes to Stumptown, we've talked about this for Dex, played by Kobe. Um, she's a private investigator. She was in the military. She was uh, in, you know, basically in military intelligence in the Middle East. And uh, during that time, she had the one who got away. The boyfriend she wanted to marry, he wanted to marry her, but he's Native American. That led to a problem, they split up. As a result of all of this, he ends up in the Middle East in the military and ends up dead. So she's haunted by that. His mother is still in the picture. Now that she's back in the States, in Portland, What's that relationship like? And of course we have the whole uh, episodic aspect of this where she has a case to investigate per episode. Also, the police are involved and in, of course, uh, most notably played by Michael Ely and Cameron Mannheim. So, you know, she has to contend with them. Does well, they have all... a complicated relationship too, so. Very complicated because does she follow the rules all the time? No. And what about the attraction that's going on? Not just there with certain people, but also with a best friend of hers. Yes, who owns a bar. And she also has the brother that she takes care of who's trying right. to be independent as well. So she's juggling a whole bunch of stuff. Now at the end of season one, Keep this in mind. There are two big mysteries. One of them, of course, is with the boyfriend who died in the Middle East. The other is, where are the parents? Like, why is she taking care of her brother? <laughs> At the end, we do have some resolutions and some cans that have been opened on those two fronts. Now, I won't tell you what that means. And as I tracked through these 18 episodes, Raph, was everything great? No. But like you said, Kobe is there. She's so interesting to watch. I like the cast ensemble. I just like the way that they fit, the way they were casted, the way they work off of each other. Even the guy with the food truck is hilarious. Mm -mm. Love how they pull all of that in. So it's, I didn't mind because we get this in network television where every episode is not going to be the greatest. The right. question is, are these people you want in your home? And I never minded inviting them into my little apartment. <laughs> so that was fine for me. Uh, overall, I enjoyed the first season. I am looking forward to season two. This is the kind of show like you were hinting at, Ref where you don't have to binge it, you shouldn't binge it. You just take it in doses. You go, oh, you know, I need a different kind of thing, a nice breath of fresh air. Let right. me watch a half an hour or two of Stumptown. Why not? It's on Hulu. If you have that, there you go. There you go. Well, uh -huh. now, our mm. favorite guy <laughs> has concluded his fourth season. Now, he's been the guy for four seasons now and uh i don't know i i don't watch this so i'm not sure if we're getting to know him more because he's been sort of a mystery but i you know the guy i'm talking about yes high maintenance on hbo has concluded its fourth season boy that kind of raced through he was here and all of a sudden he's not yeah. but the guy who delivers the stuff to the people <laughs> had um did it all season long and I'm sure we've met some interesting characters and stories along the way and like I alluded to do we know any more about the guy? Hmm. 
Now, the previous season, Ref, is when we really started to learn more about him. It's so interesting that you're saying this because this is exactly what I want to talk about. In this season, we didn't learn as much until the end. Hmm. The final episode, we got something really about him. And what I found is I'm more and more interested in him and less and less interested about the people he sells to. Hmm. In this season, I have to say it's probably the weakest of this show. Not that it's bad. I still liked it. I felt the meandering. Hmm. Before uh, this season, every episode was really tight, crisp. Even when you went, why am I watching this? Like Rosie Perez, why is she here in the previous season with this? She's pretending like this baby doll is real. Like, but they, they, they distilled each story into the parts that mattered. Whereas here, I thought that they were kind of experimenting a little more just with letting it breathe. Uh-huh. I don't need it to breathe. No. Now, I will say that- <laughs> Well, that's, that's not what he says. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but I will say there were some highlights here. Um, there was the whole, like, it's a whole New York City thing. So what's it like to, you know, when you have uh, jury duty and, you know, you bond with these people over the days if you're picked for a jury? And what do you do in New York City after that? Like, that kind of episode. There was an episode I really enjoyed with- um, a mother uh, who, she works at a dentist's office and there's a guy who's kind of hitting on her and she's looking at him like, I don't know, like you, I need to get out of here. But when they finally go out, what's that like? What's her home life like? And then at the end, there was this reveal because there's this man they're taking care of in the apartment. Who is that? Like that kind of thing was interesting. And uh, also the, the final episode I thought was really a beautiful way to end this season. It was a holiday episode uh, during Christmas time in New York. We haven't seen this show go there before. What happens if it's a big snowstorm and your flights are canceled? Mm. So this is where we learn more about the guy and uh, his niece who was there who's not like him at all. She is not down for what he's doing. So what was that dynamic like? Also, there was another story, because there's typically two in one episode, with two sisters, one of whom is a a Delta flight attendant. They get stranded in New York City, but she's renting a a spot in an apartment where all of these Delta flight attendants go. So what happens when they're crammed in during the holiday in this apartment that they're all renting? So it still had its moments. I still enjoy this show. I certainly will be watching season five. I believe everybody, if if you like uh, adult short stories that you want to see instead of read, then this is the show for you. It is still very specific, which is the secret sauce. And it does have a heart underneath all of the smoke. (laughs) (laughs) With that said, clearing all of the smoke, Another season finale is Cronish. Yeah. Now, Ref, note how you didn't have to warn me that I had to do this. See that? No, I, 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 was, I was. I was very impressed with the transition. In <laughs> my old age, see something you can teach an old dog new tricks every now and then. <laughs> so, Cronish season three on Freeform on Hulu. I was watching it. I had to drop away. I had to go away. Sorry, Kenya. No more Cronish, mixedish, blackish. Hashtag black AF for me. But the ref is there for Gronish. So tell us what's going on with Zoe and the friends and the pregnancy and, and the loves and whatever else. 
Well, as we found out in Zoe's junior year, mm. uh, this was a year of major transition. And let me review why. Well, we found out earlier when we talked about Gronish that one of the click, one of the crew got, she got pregnant mm. and it's out of the bag now. It's Nomi. She got pregnant and some of you were like, wait, how did Nomi get pregnant? I thought she was with her um, professor who was a woman. Well, they had a splitting that didn't go so well and she went to a bar and went home with someone and eventually became pregnant. So she ends up leaving um, to go and really focus on her her and her baby because she decides to keep the child. And um, from there, we're left with the rest of the people. Now, remember this season, they are off campus living-wise. They have a home. And so we have the two sisters, Jazz and Skye, who are living together, and they couldn't be having a more interesting year. Jazz, remember, is dating our one of our favorite Doug, um, played by Diggy Simmons, and they are going hard, going well. But the question is, remember, Jazz and Sky are there on scholarship for track, and if you are really hanging out and catching up with your boo, can you possibly be, you know, serious about your track? Uh, being a track star trying to get to the olympics and they had much friction this season the two sisters because jazz and doug were spending too much time and eventually it was asked of jazz to take a breather now we'll see next season how doug really takes that but she just needed six months so that she can focus on track now sky on the other hand she has love on the horizon, but she is totally focused. Although she tripped up for a second because her new love, Rodney, is really Rodney. And what do I mean by that? Oh. She had no idea Rodney was actually white. Because <laughs> mm. he looked kind of, talked kind of, acted kind of, and comes to find out he is not who he thought who you know she thought he was and can she kind of move forward in that so she's in uncharted territory now as you remember yes um anna was and uh aaron were an item last season i mean they were kind of an on again off again kind of friends with benefits and it kind of blew up affecting zoe because she unexpectedly had an opinion about it and she just kind of was like okay i don't know why i have an opinion about it but i do well they're off again why because anna found a new heartthrob in her um how should we say his name is javier he is a um he is off limits and of course you know with anna she loves her off limit situation but he is republican and cuban so things might work out for javier and Anna. But the real story is this love triangle. Zoe, who is still working for Joey Badass as his personal assistant, isn't quite able to fulfill all her duties as a personal stylist. Now she is doing what she has dreamt to do. That is why she's going to school and she has a high profile client. But the question is, can she juggle her schoolwork as well as her professional work. Well, 
We saw how it got her in trouble last season with Lucas. In fact, it was to their demise. They broke up completely. And now it looks like the tables are kind of turning because she had to fulfill a school assignment and wasn't able to go and assist Joey. Who did she call on? Because as we know, her and Lucas are on the outs. They've tried the friendship thing. They slipped up and found each other in each other's arms. That didn't quite work out. They took a step back and said, you know what? I, you are in a different place than I am. So I think we should just pause on that. Matter of fact, let's not pause. Let's move on. And in fact, Lucas moved on so, Luca moved on so hard that he ended up dipping with Julian played by Ryan Destiny. Mm. And now they're a thing, and poor Zoe was not feeling that at all. So who does she go to to vent about her professional life, her career in school, and Luca? Of course, she always goes back to Aaron. Mm -mm. And for once, this complicated relationship gets even more complicated. Now you're thinking, oh, they're lovers? No. Aaron is freaking out because he has all these student loans. So he needs to find a way to, they did a whole episode on it. It was really interesting because I remember filling out my first student loan application and that's the way I felt. So that's an episode worth reviewing. But Aaron freaking out, he's like, hey, you know what? Your dad works in advertising. There's a career day here. Can you get me an in? And and of course, Zoe's like, sure. Does she do it? Mm. You'll have to find out. As a result of that ask, some huge rift comes between Aaron and Zoe. And for once, he tells Zoe exactly that she is selfish and that she is da-da-da-da. And I've been there for you. You're always looking to come in through the back door. Mm. Well, here's this. So Zoe's questioning everything at this point to the point where at the very end of the finale, she makes an announcement that shocks everyone. She makes a life choice that we didn't see coming. Hmm. So now we're left after season three. What will happen? What will become of Zoe? What does this decision mean to the rest of the crew? And a little birdie tells me, remember how season three ended? Well, season four ended the same way, except in reverse. Zoe gives somebody a smoochie that causes a whole bunch of confusion. So there we are with Grownish. All in all, this season um, is not as strong as season three. I think that's when you dropped off in the middle of, in four. You dropped off in four, I think. But it's it's not as strong as season three. But I'm still interested in the topics that. Uh, you know, the team dives into when it comes to adulting and trying to adult when you're in college. Um, I hope for season five or four, excuse me, they come Mm -hmm. back with a little, like a tighter, more tighter storyline and get back to, get, get back to not making this a cliche kind of, um, uh, half hour comedy really dive into the hard stuff that really makes you th- makes you think and also is reflective of what some of the Gen Zers are going through now. 
and I'm sure with the things that are involving, you know, the state of the world now, I think they'll come back with some tighter stories. So yeah. there that is. Yeah, and just so you know, because it's a bit confusing. Actually, this is the spring finale of season three, so they have more season three to come at some point. Who knows yes. when? Yes, yeah. but we don't. I think some things are involved with timing, mm-hmm. um, with the situation we're in. So. Right. Yeah, and like you're saying, they've been renewed for season four. Um, yeah, I just want them to go back to being, like you said, be a bit dangerous. Dangerous, not just in the storyline, but in how you present things and the outlook, the perspective of what Gronish means. But anyway, moving, moving on. on. <laughs> from, from that being, you know, just nice and sharp to this. And the this here is this is us yes it is us now season four has ended yeah tell us in this season yes in this season of this is us we have um explored some pretty dramatic information and that is rebecca pearson the older version or we can say present day version but actually you can't even say that because we've dipped into the future so what we would think of more as the present day Rebecca, we found out um, this season that she has some memory issues. Those memory issues have flown under the radar with everyone except, of course, from Randall. Randall being the kind of person he is and the closeness he is with his mom and taking care of her basically all of his life, he sees that it's not just um, senior moments that she's having. It's something serious. So he figures out a way to take her to a very respected doctor to get some testing. And sure enough, she's got some early stages of Alzheimer's disease that it's potential, maybe even dementia. I, we don't we, we, we don't quite know, but we do know we're down a road, a path that is very tricky. So Randall is gung-ho. He is focused. And you know how Randall can get absolutely focused on getting his mother the best treatment. And because we've known Randall to be a very type A kind of um, person who really needs, if he has his mindset on something, he has to get it done. We find out in this season why he's so gung-ho about this before it's like oh because that's his personality and he's kind of you know just an he's an anxious person in general but there's an episode a really good episode by the way um from your girl from um uh who's his therapist um from uh Oh gosh, that show you always say to watch on FX. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. you you talk about Pamela Adler. Yes, mm-hmm. she's his therapist, very unconventional. <laughs> Good for Randall, and she tells him why you came to me. Like you could have picked anybody, but this is why you came to me. Hmm. And that was it, that episode was so good because it explored why Randall is the way he is with his mother. We see how he idolized his father, but we have this huge looming issue. And I'm gonna give it not away, but we all know this. Remember, Randall did not find out that his father was alive 
until he was 38 or 36 or however, until the beginning of, of This Is Us. And he was well into his 30s, well into fatherhood. And we had no idea that Rebecca, his mom, knew the father was alive, visited his home, and just now tells him he exists. What do you do with that? What do you do with that information? Well, Randall suppresses things, but things came unraveled and we find out those details. Now, he's gung-ho about getting Rebecca the treatment she needs, which means going to St. Louis for nine months for this experimental treatment. However, Kevin is just now finding a group with his mother that seemed to have never really existed before then. Kevin is doing well career-wise, but his love life, as you always know, is in the pits. But he ends up sleeping with someone. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Mm. And as we find out, that someone is preggers. What? Oh. Does she keep the baby? Does he accept responsibility? Does he know, really? You will be shocked who this person is. Now, Kevin doesn't want this to happen. Her mom is having the time of her life. Why don't we enjoy her now? And Kate Pearson, who is the sister, is kind of in the middle. She wants to have her mother enjoy her, her son, but at the same time, she does want her mother to be well. So she's kind of neutral. Well, it is like civil war. It is like Iron Man versus Captain America. Literally going head to head. Kevin and Randall are at odds. And when you get to the end of this season, there is a scene that I cringed mm. when I watched it. There were some things that were said between these two brothers that when we dip into the future, as they do, you see that we're not quite sure they resolved that situation. When I tell you some some of the ugliest stuff I've heard on television was said here. Now, it wasn't like a brawl or anything like that. It was just very, very hurtful things. And it's things that we finally hear from Kevin of what he thinks about Randall and some things that we finally hear from Randall what he thinks about Kevin because you know throughout their childhood, they clash. Mm. And Kate is in the middle. There she is having problems with her own marriage. As we know, her husband's losing weight, getting attention. How does mm. that resolve? And then to end it, we do flash forward where we see... Um, young Jack, who is the, uh, who's Kate's son. We see where he ends up and we see who he ends up with. And we also see how he ends up. Does he become a father? What kind of father is he? What patterns are released? What patterns have been broken? And then we also see that someone else is in his life that will affect the present day. Not the future, but the present day. Someone else shows up in his life that in the present day, we're very curious how that unwinds. And then, of course, Jack, being Jack, is sort of lost in the season. And this goes to the review. I think it's interesting what they're doing with family dynamics, especially Kevin and, and you know, 
Randall. Um, I am curious as to see if these two people will ever talk to each other after that scene. Um, we do see they talk to each other in the future, but it still seems kind of cold. So what is that? I here's here's the tragic part about this is us. My favorite character and the character that we like the most, it Jack. He dies. We know he dies. And so he's floundering. Hmm. And I think you've talked about this too when you last saw it, is that his storyline is floundering. And they beefed up Kevin, but we're losing Jack. So that'll be interesting. I will say this um, in the, the really good Randall um, episode where he's confronting why his mother needs to go to this facility. They did a what if episode which was really really cool like what if jack didn't die um what that meant and it, it was a straight up plot twist that was interesting although i do have to say the what if part you know randall becomes a certain type of person black person will say and i'm just like wait wait a minute now are we saying because his dad died that he became this so anyway, I just thought that was really interesting. All in all, I'll return for season five um, because they are bringing it back. Um, however, or four, excuse me. What, are, what season? Season are they five on? is coming up. Season five, yeah. Mm -hmm. We do know that they're extended out to season six, and that will be it. So I have a feeling that they will like lost people kind of start steamrolling ahead quickly <laughs> to wrap all of this um, craziness up. It was it the best season. No, but was it the worst? No, it wasn't. Hmm. Okay. And now we're going to end on a very special note. Now, you know, the ref has mentioned the show for years. She has championed it. She's espoused it. And we're both caught up on it. We do have the series finale, not season finale, the series finale of Shit's Creek coming up. It'll be on Tuesday after our taping. So before that happened, uh, we wanted to get to it now and we'll come back to it after we've seen that a little later, just to say farewell and thank you to Shit's Creek and the ref will take it from there. Well, <clears throat> we, like to um on our show give do where it is certainly you know where it should be we did that with the good wife we did that with we did that with several things we tried to do it with game of thrones but you uh <laughs> you gave it you more or less kicked it along <laughs> rather than giving it a send off but with Shit's creek uh you you'll tell like from the very beginning i couldn't even say the name of the of the show. Just it's because it's like, it is, but it's such a ridiculous <laughs> name. I I have to say that it has been one of my greatest delights as far as escape television. And it I call it palette a palette cleanser. I think we we talk about those on the show. It isn't heavy, but then there's but there is depth to that show. If you still have not seen Shit's Creek and you're curious, you could go on Netflix right now and watch all up to its current season. Not the current season, but up to it. And you can enjoy this 
crazy wackadoodle family who you should not like. You should not like these people. They really are terrible people who are oblivious. But we end up loving them. And I will have to say this to Daniel Levy and his father, Eugene Levy, who are the creators of Schitt's Creek. Daniel's the showrunner, um, his son. This is a perfect mashup of taking the talents of your, the, the talents presented to you, making a story that makes sense for that talent, and then not restricting that talent, but giving them the leeway to be the best they are. Now, I've, I have watched Catherine O'Hare for a long time, mm. over many, many, many movies. <laughs> and Yay. I will say, <laughs> yes, many, many, she's actually an underrated, she is a cultural icon. Yes. And people forget that because you think, well, who is she? The mom in Home Alone? <laughs> Yeah. The mom in um, Beetlejuice. What you, Beetlejuice. Mm. She starred in every Christopher Guest movie. <laughs> I mean, you can go on and on about Catherine O'Hare. She really has, you know, all the, all the Home Alones with, with uh, Kevin McAllister in it. So I will say this. I'm going to go on record to say this. And I, I'm not going to challenge you to defy me, not you, critic, mm. but anyone out there. I'm just going to go on record. This is some of her best work. Mm. This is some of her best work. Moira is not on the paper. Moira <laughs> is an example of a showrunner and his father allowing people to do what they do best. And Catherine O'Hare, along with the entire cast, everybody seems to fit in its place. And I think you had an observation about one of the characters that she certainly did not get lost I won't. I won't say that she was never lost, but we're really seeing some depth from her, and you'll 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 talk about that in a second. But I kind of wanted to to end this homage because we'll come back and talk about the finale by saying thank you for taking risks on stories that I wouldn't usually and normally like storylines that I wouldn't normally like, okay, what are we doing here? You know, like, you know, who cares about being in city council? Well, we find out why, why certain people need to be elected and why certain people don't. Who cares about a diner? Well, we come to love those people in the diner. Who cares about, you know, this couple kind of finding love opposites attract. Well, I care about this opposite uh, opposites attract couple. Like it's, it's little things that you just sort of don't really normally get invested in, but the show somehow makes you invested. So I say thank you to Shit's Creek. I'm sad that you're leaving us, but you're on Netflix. And so therefore I get to live, relive some of those amazing, wonderful moments again. Again, if you haven't seen it and you're kind of reluctant, I dare you, I challenge you, especially during this time. If you want a little sunshine in all of this crazy haze that we're going through, I think Shit's Creek is a wonderful, wonderful way to start things out. Yes, absolutely. Also, don't forget the Pop app because it's on the Pop Network. Yeah, you can watch it. Mm -hmm. You can watch it there too. I certainly echo you. And, and I, will, as someone who binged a lot of it, I'll tell you it is bingeable, but you can take a break. So you can watch like five episodes to take a break. Watch another five. You'll feel it. 
They're half and hour. It, yeah, it's not long. And it, it really is a pleasure to watch it, it, it on so many different levels that you got to ref. And one, once it's over, I will go further into what you were talking about with Alexis, what Annie Murphy is doing, especially this season. I'm just a big fan. We, we don't even need to talk about Catherine O'Hara again. Oh, please. She's just brilliant. It's some of her best. He's really letting her do her thing. Really is. So kudos to them. Thank you. We're looking forward to Tuesday's finale and we'll be sad to see it go. But I think that they're ending on the right note. And with that, we're ending this episode on the right note as well. You've gotten series premieres. You've gotten season finales. You've gotten a little taste, a look forward to a series finale as well. And just know that there are no finales for Why Watch That. We're continuing to go. <laughs> and who knows, as we're all shut in and enjoying ourselves as much as possible during this turbulent time, who knows what Why Watch That will have for you. We will keep coming to you with more and more content. And be sure to check us out on social media, etc., at our website, whywatchthat.com, because things are changing and we are changing with you. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.